Hey everyone, welcome to B2B Made Simple. I'm Sam Moss, the CEO and co-founder of OneClick Agency. On this show, I interview marketing experts from fast-growing B2B SaaS companies. We feature podcast episodes I'm a guest on, and sometimes we throw in a consulting call I've done with another company. Our goal with this show is to equip you and give you the tools you need to be the best marketer you can be. Hey everybody, this was a podcast interview I did a couple months back with my good friend Jesus McDonald, um, the owner of JRM Web Marketing. He has a show called the Jesus McDonald Experience and have been on his show a couple of times. I enjoy it every single time. You'll get some good content um, and some good ideas on what you can do to improve your website. And he always asks some good gritty questions. So um, hope you enjoy this. Hey guys, it's Jesus McDonald here. I have a special guest, Sam Moss, who is also a WordPress website uh, developer. He runs a WordPress website development company in New York. And I brought him on to the show because I wanted to talk about some frequently asked questions that we get from B2B marketers. And honestly, that we see on the web, um, LinkedIn as well too, when it comes to how to improve your lead conversions or website traffic, um, you name it. I mean, there's just a lot of questions around that. So I have some hand-picked questions. I thought it might be great to just pull in another WordPress website guy and just kind of go through it together. And I hope this is really insightful and brings you guys value and implementation since a lot of companies right now are looking into website redesigns, which is about that time for a lot of people. So Sam, welcome to the show again. Thanks for having me once again. It's always good to join you, talk about uh, industry stuff, you know, as, as we both like to do. So thanks for having me, man. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. Let's dive right into the questions. Um, question number one that I have is how should the messaging on your website be framed? Should it like educate prospects on like on what your company does or should it do something different? Um, it, it, it depends. Is, is really what it is. And it boils down to the intent of your leads and prospects, which is why you need to know who your customers are and who you're going after. So your ICP. Um, an example, uh, a friend of mine owns a dumpster company and it, you know it's a small business. They're doing really well. And their company has been on a spreadsheet, uh, a Google sheet for years. So all their customers, they, they put all their information in there and they're not wow. familiar with what a CRM is. Okay. So their level of intent is not very high when it comes out, when it comes to going to Google and mm. looking for a CRM, they don't really know. So they're looking to be educated on what the industry even can handle or what, what can be done for them. Mm. So their intent is way different um, than a B2B company. So for us, we, we sell websites to B2B companies. And when we were selling websites to SMBs, it was a lot different language because their intent is way different. They're brand new to websites. So we have to educate them on our website of, oh, here's what a website's going to do for your company or your business. Here's um, how to make you stand out online. And we had to be very shallow with our marketing because they're not familiar with um, what we're selling. And the same thing goes for the B2B SaaS mm -hmm. industry. So fast forward to today, when we're talking to VP of marketings and directors of marketing, they understand what a website does. That's not what they're coming to our website to figure out. So we don't need to tell them, oh, this is going to boost the conversions for your company. I mean, we can include that, but 
that's not what it's about. We, we need to prove to them that we're different than the other website developers, because in their eyes, all websites do the same thing. It doesn't matter from a developer standpoint, which one does a different, different work. It's all pretty close industry wide. And uh, that's what it boils down to is knowing the intent of who you're talking to, where they're at in the buyer journey, and then catering your messaging to that. I love that. Now let's talk a little bit about copywriting, uh, more specifically the messaging um, for your website. Should the messaging on your website include industry lingo or not? Because I run into a lot of B two B, you know, companies that their website it just seems like it's a filler. It's the same thing over and over and over and over again, right? Yeah, I used to preach. And you could probably scroll back in my LinkedIn posts and find <laughs> that you should never put industry lingo on a website. And it's a huge turnoff to customers um, and, and prospects and leads, but it all goes back to knowing who your ICP is once again. So I have changed my stance since then. Um, mm. And here, here's why. So when it comes to industry lingo, if you know who your customer is and they know the industry lingo and it's, they, it's what they use when they're talking about your industry, then definitely include it on your website. Um, you don't need to overload and, and pretend like you're smarter than you actually are, but it might be comforting to them to know that you speak that language, um, you are fluent in your industry, you know what right. you have going on. Um, for example, a cybersecurity company, maybe they, they offer security solutions or something. Um, if they know who they're talking to, they can drop some of that lingo in. For me, I don't need to know uh, what a cybersecurity company does. I don't need to know the lingo because I don't really need them for what I do. So I might go to their website and say, oh my gosh, what a confusing company. Why would they ever put that language on their website? Well, they're not trying to sell to me. I'm not their ideal customer. They, they probably know exactly who they're talking to. And that's why they put that lingo. Um, so there needs to be a balance. You need to do your research and know who you're talking to and ultimately avoid it if you can and don't use it to make yourself sound smarter than you are. But if it's there to give yourself credibility because the people you're talking to understand your industry already, then by all means, include it on your website. Yeah, I love that. And it, the ICP is huge. You're right. Um, Especially if it's like, hey, I don't need to know about this. I already know this software. They're not really targeting me. So yeah. I'm thinking um, they're a deal client, but I may not be. So that mm -hmm. makes a ton of sense. Now, let's talk a little bit about funnels, right? When, and when it comes to marketing, it's all about the funnels. Well, not really, but it's a big part of marketing. It's, you know, we talk about sales and marketing going hand in hand and lead conversions and, you know, what stage is the lead in when it comes to the funnel? I want to ask a specific question, like why shouldn't we force prospects into our ideal funnel? If we have an ideal funnel, the way it works, step one, all the way to step 12, for example. Yeah. Um, you have to keep in mind what's easiest for you is not always mm -hmm. easiest for your prospect or lead. So mm. for example, let's say we have this funnel set up on, on your website and it populates your CRM perfectly. You know, you get the lead in HubSpot, you get the intent and man, that is beautiful. It looks amazing and it's scalable, right? What happens if that person 
just wants to call you or shoot you an email or, or talk to a rep in like a chat bot or something, um, you need to make the right. experience as frictionless as possible. Um, an example, this wasn't necessarily a funnel that I was shoved into, but it goes back to like making the experience as smooth as possible for a leader prospect. Um, I don't remember why, but I was looking for some manufacturing companies here in upstate New York and I stumbled across a website and the first thing they made me do was fill out a CAPTCHA before I could even see the website. And that just really, took me, oh yeah, I was, I was shocked. I, I couldn't believe that they made that me do that. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. And I'm like, seriously, you're going to make me do this. And I did have the patience. I don't know why um, <laughs> to complete it and get into the website. Not that it was really worth seeing that website because it was pretty outdated, but um, I just, I still couldn't believe that they made me fill out a CAPTCHA to make sure I wasn't a bot. Like they had thousands of leads coming and that's why. And it just goes back to making the experience as frictionless as possible. So if you're shoving your prospects into your funnel, because it's what makes your HubSpot CRM look good, then you might want to reassess and give some other options um, just to make it easy. Makes makes It makes the the experience no friction. That's what your goal should be every single time. Love the no friction. Now, what are your thoughts on only having a form on your website? Yeah, I'm pretty against just simply having a form on your website. And I, I have heard the argument the other way where, look, we don't want to be getting phone calls. We're not capable of answering the phone all day, or right. we don't want to be sitting on email. And I get that, but maybe even just one other option, maybe mm. it's a chat bot. I mean, we have drift on our website. It's, you can get the free version. I'm kind of a cheapskate when it comes to that. So I, we pop the free version on our website. It works great. Yeah. Um, us personally, we have where you can email us, call us, fill out a form. And like I said, the bot, but if you're not, if you don't have the capacity to handle all of that, I understand, but there should be more than just one simple option. And again, you don't want to be forcing people into your ideal funnel with mm. a form. Uh, they might not like that. An example of this is we had a lead. Um, they, they were looking for a website developer here on the East Coast and they reached out or he had, he had done research and found about 200 companies. Why he went into that depth of trying to find website developers is beyond me but we made it into like the top 16 that he actually sent details wow. of their project to something like top dozen or something like that and i asked him i'm like why is it that you even reached out to us i was really curious because that's that was pretty impressive to me to know that we even made it in the top whatever and he said oh you had an email address on your website i hate filling out forms we would have never ever gotten that lead if we had shoved them specifically into a form, we gave them one other option. It's not that hard for us to check email. We can handle that. Right. And he was able to send all the details through email because he couldn't even fit it in the form. He had it all prepared, ready to send it to companies. So okay. only having a form on your, on your website is probably hurting you more than you realize. That's interesting about the email part too, because the form pretty much works as an email, yeah. but the way you know, your prospective client is thinking is this is just going to go to some random person and mm -hmm. it's going to take forever to get to me. So I'd rather just have an email address. I've never experienced that before when it came to feedback from prospective clients. Yeah. The, the feedback I've gotten is I'm glad you had the 650 number on your website because I'm so tired of filling out forms. Yeah. I don't want to be <laughs> spammed with newsletters yeah. and all this junk I didn't sign up for. And I'm mm -hmm. like, 
one, it's sad that that's like the standard or that everyone assumes they're just going to get into a newsletter or offers or promotions. (laughs) And it's sad too, that companies do throw leads into that without their permission, which I believe is illegal to do. Probably, so yeah, something like. But so so many people do that though. It's just yeah. it's just wrong. Um, mm-hmm. So that's really great insight in, into you know that prospect decline that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Now, where's the balance when it comes to tracking attribution? Mm-hmm. As marketers, uh, you and I own our own business. Marketers are listening to this. Mm-hmm. It's it's really easy to get obsessed with where did this lead come from. I've been really guilty of that as well. Um, And to an extent, it is important, especially if you're, you know, demand gen, you want to know what's working, what's not. Um, But overall, you should know that if a a lead comes to your website, fills out your form, and you don't know exactly where they came from, you should just be assured that it's proof that your brand worked from top to finish, from top to bottom. Um, An example of this is we had someone come to our website, they, they filled out the form, uh, for a website, uh, they had some information on their project. I looked them up on LinkedIn, turns out I was connected to them. So I immediately thought, Oh, this is must be because of the content I'm putting out. I tried to see if they connected with me first, if I connected with them first and I I couldn't figure it out. Mm -hmm. So I could say, Oh, the lead came from LinkedIn, but I don't know if it was because why did, well, really, why did they connect with me? Did they hear me on a podcast? Did they um, come across our podcast and, and decide to, to reach out? And then right. that led from seeing content over and over for, the, for a few months to finally going to our website. Maybe they had been to the website three or four times before they ever filled out the form. So there's no way to actually track the first touch attribution. But what I realized is, like I said a, a couple of seconds ago, this is proof that the system worked, that our brand was consistent from top to finish. Or whatever it was, maybe it was a podcast or something led to LinkedIn, which led to our website. And ultimately that was enough for me. Yeah. Can I add something to that too? Um, yeah, go for it. One of the things is, you know, I've used HubSpot a lot as a digital marketer. And one of the things that I know is technology can only take you so far. Like I'm, I'm saying HubSpot, I don't know how the other software companies um, work when, in regards to marketing and sales. But you're right. It's very broad. Like the source came from Google and I'm like, Google maps, Google search, (laughs) like Google owns a lot of stuff like YouTube, you know? And, you know, one thing that I do um, is I always ask the lead when I get on the phone with them, how did you hear about us? Mm -hmm. Right. And their answer goes way further than Google. Yeah. So it goes to your point that, you know, in the pre-qualification process that that should be, you know, one of the top questions Mm -hmm. to ask them and to make sure the sales rep writes that down Mm -hmm. and inputs it into the CRM because on a quarterly basis or, you know, at the end of the year, you look back at that form field and when it says, you know, LinkedIn, for example, or if it says, a referral source and say that the referral source has a name, let's call it ABC networking. Uh, ABC networking has the most when it comes to the lead source. So I think that's very valuable data uh, Mm -hmm. to work with 
um, when it comes to sales and marketing, because then you know where to shift your efforts to. But I think it's important to ask on a phone call or Zoom, how did you hear about us, right? Sometimes just a client referral, we just don't know, (laughs) right? Yep. And then they connected with you months ago on LinkedIn. Right. And you think that LinkedIn was this organic (laughs) engine for you. Right. Uh, Although maybe they saw your... Maybe they saw your content. It's so hard to tell exactly what influences. We just make assumptions. We just make yeah, assumptions. It is a game of assumptions. It's like, ah, sure. oh, they saw my Google ad. I got to put more money into Google ads. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it was a client referral. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, you're awesome, Sam. Thanks again for just joining the show and just providing us some knowledge, some insights when it comes to our industry, which is websites. Mm-hmm. You got it, man. Appreciate you having me. And thanks for adding your two cents uh, there at the end. I always enjoy it. Absolutely. Well, you have a great day and have a great rest of the week. Hey, you got it, man. Thank you. Thank you.